At bestvolleyballvideos.com, we have over 150 hours of training videos developed specifically for the youth and high school age volleyball player. Please go to bestvolleyballvideos.com. Hello, everybody. This is the second podcast in a two-part series on the evolution of setting. Uh, in the first podcast, we talked about uh, the evolution and the development of the setting position uh, since I started coaching volleyball back in the 1980s and you know how the, the setters have evolved and talked about styles and techniques and just how the, the setting position has become, um, the flow of the setting position and the, and the style of the setting position has, has evolved to uh, the point where it is today. Uh, today, we're going to talk about, in part two, we're going to talk about uh, tactical traits and then tactical uh, applications of a setting position and just what, what it takes to be a great setter. And uh, we're going to try to dive into what I think are four key traits to that you need to master if you're going to become a setter at the highest level. And uh, then at the end, we'll talk a little bit about personality and um, we'll go from there. So uh, I think the, the first thing we're going to talk about is hands. And even though that I think the feet are actually the most important uh, skill that you have to have when you're teaching young setters, um, the hands, I think, will come first for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, generally for volleyball, the sport of volleyball, when players are young, the ball control skills are weak, which means that whoever sets uh, is doing a lot of moving. They're running all over the court. They're having to chase the ball down. And while that takes footwork, uh, when you get to the ball, it's important that your hands touch the ball in a proper manner. So one of the things that I uh, that I think is really important as we talk about the development of the setting position, especially when we talk about training young setters, is that we make sure that our setters learn to set the ball properly right away. And, and that's we want we want great muscle memory from the hands. We want to understand, you know, that the difficulty. Uh, to set comes from having to move long distances or being caught out of position and how you touch the ball and how you release the ball uh, goes a long way towards how the ball gets located to the hitter. So I think it's the, the feet I think are absolutely crucial um, because I'm a firm believer that it's impossible to ever be a great setter without great feet. But the hands are the foundation for any elite setter uh, and also an area that can be trained when players are really young and they're not physical enough to spend a great deal of time on extensive footwork training. So the hands just, I think, come first because they're easy to develop, and there's a lot of ways to work with the hands uh, in a pretty short period of time that will develop the hands to, to touch the ball in a proper manner. And I think when we first talk about the hands, we have to emphasize that because the volleyball is round, <clears throat> the setter must shape their hands around the ball and form their hands that look like the shape of the ball. And if you think about, uh, you know, in any, any sport, a basketball player, when you take the ball into your hands, your hands form around the ball. When you catch a football, your hands form around the ball. When you throw a baseball, your hand forms around the ball. And really, the setting position is no different. So I think one of the things that's key is to think about how the hands are going to be shaped uh, when you first start teaching setting. And, you know, a lot of times young setters will learn to contact the ball. They kind of put their hands up and they have their hands flat, spread apart, which really doesn't allow the players to use all their hands to cover the ball. And with a young setter especially, you want to cover as much surface area as possible. And you want your hands to be round and touch as much of the ball as possible. And I think that's a key point when training young setters. It's crucial 
uh, for young setters who don't have large hands to be able to cover as much of the ball as possible when they're setting the ball. Especially if you're starting to move and you're often taking the ball into your hands while you're running or jumping and not really completely balanced. And so hand contact on the ball helps control the ball and the release. And it's a key to accurate ball location to the target. I think that's one of the things that you, it's really important for young setters to understand. So the, the way we touch the ball is crucial. Uh, and I had mentioned last time that the, the development of the hands, there's so much easy work you can do with uh, the wall, working with the wall, uh, you know, in different body postures, different positions, strengthening the wrist and the fingers, you know, how you form your how you form your positioning on the ball. And there's a few things that you want to think about when you put your hands around the ball. First of all, we talked about the hands being round. <clears throat> but second of all, we want to make sure that we have our hands, you know, shaped uh, in the shape of the ball, not too far apart. You don't want the ball to come too deep into that cup that your hands form. Otherwise, it gets stuck down in there and the ball comes out too slow. And, you know, the, the tempo of setting now is transitioned to the point where the ball's coming out of the hands much faster than it used to uh, because the systems and the tempo of play is much faster. So one of the things that we have to make sure we do is that, that we form that bowl of the hands and the, the fingers are nice and tight around the ball. The wrists are, have a quick springy motion to them, but you've got to make sure the hands are formed in the, in the proper manner. And so when you start to work with young setters, you know, a lot of repetition to develop muscle memory and develop proper technique with the hands is going to be something that's, that's really, really important. And I think that's one of the things that we have to look at. So uh, the hands, I'm, I'm going to put the hands first at the top of the list just to develop the hands. And then uh, from there, we're going to talk about the feet. And I think when you're talking about setting footwork, you want to look at two areas. First, you know, how the setter gets to the ball and, and then how the setter transfers that movement to the ball into the actual footwork prior to and during the ball release. And, uh, you know, people talk a lot about footwork for setters and generally, uh, what they're talking about is they're talking about uh, what you do when you get to the ball. So when we discuss the footwork used to get to the ball once the ball has been passed or dug, uh, we need to focus on correct posture and efficiency of movement. So the first thing we'll talk about is posture and coming off the net. I think if, if you're setting a ball and serve-receive, you know, as the setter's lined up at the net, the one thing you want to do is you want to face the passer. And you know, a lot of times young setters will stand uh, with their shoulder to, right shoulder to the net you know, at 90-degree angle, and they'll have their hand up in the air. And you know, there's nobody on the team that's going to pass the ball to that position or pass the ball to that hand that you have held up. So I think the one thing that you want your setters to do <clears throat> is they want to always be ready to move. And so if I'm setting a ball and serve-receive, I want to be facing the passer on first contact. I'm going to have my arms bent in kind of an athletic manner so I can move. Uh, I want to face the passer wherever the ball goes to the passer. And uh, again, the arms are kind of bent and body's neutral, but I want to be ready to move. And don't have your setter, again, I'm going to repeat, don't have your setter stand at the net and hold the hand up in the air. I mean, it's just, you're, it's the, you know, a human body at the net is not a hard target to see. So if you have your hand held up and you're standing sideways uh, to the net, all you're going to do is drop your hand and have to move on 99% of the balls that come to you. So the best thing to do is have your back to the net, be in a nice, athletic, relaxed position, and be ready to move when the ball is passed. Because in general, you're going to move at some distance on, on almost every ball. So instead of thinking that you're going to stand there and have the ball come right to you, especially as a younger age when you're teaching footwork, uh, the setter is going to be moving almost all the time. So make sure that you understand that. So, And again, if you, if you have the setter raise 
their hand up in the air for a target. All they've got to do is drop their hand when they get ready to start moving. So the posture at the net should be face the ball, uh, prepare to move, have yourself nice and relaxed in a good athletic position. Uh, and that's how you start your, uh, your center footwork. Another thing I want to talk about really quick is I want to talk about where the setter lines up at the net because after doing camps for, you know, three or four decades, one of the things that I see a lot of young setters do at camp is their initial position is lined up closer to the right front position than it is to the middle of the court. And generally, if you watch the the best players and the best setters in the world play, you know, they take the ball in the, in the middle area of the court. And there's a few things to, to think about, which I'm going to cover just just tactically and also technically. But you know, your setter, if you think about the court being lined up uh, in nine equal positions across the net, or you're, you're looking at the middle of the court, if the middle of the court is that zone five area, you know, your setter wants to be on the edge of five, six. I mean, you want to have, uh, you know, you're probably got, you're, you're probably 55% push from the left antenna over towards the right antenna or 60%, but you're not lined up way over to the right side of the court. And that's one of the things that a lot of young setters do. They get lined up way over towards the right front antenna. And it, it, it causes a couple of issues. And I think a lot of times that's just being young um, you know, and then this passers see that setter lined up there and they start trying to pass to that position all the time. And again, think about in, in, in general terms, passing your ball to the middle of the court, the setter takes the ball in the middle of the court. And there's a couple of things that, that benefit this. First of all, um, you know, when the young setter lines up in that right front position, the left front attacker now is a long ways away. So that left front set, which is a primary set, becomes a longer set for a young setter. It's not, you're not setting now just a little over halfway across the court. You're setting two-thirds of the way across the court. And uh, that's before you start moving at all. So you, what you've done is you set yourself up to make that left side set a much longer set. Um, and so that's one thing I think you look at. Another thing that you do is that your right side set now is a really short set behind you. <clears throat> which means that a blocker has the ability, uh, if you're lined up, as a setter lines up, pushed far, too far to the right, the blocker, the le opposing left front blocker, can line up and help on the quick set against you, your team, and also make that move to block your right side attacker much easier because there's a lot less distance to move. And one of the things that the, the concept of offense is, is to make the blockers chase the ball, but if the setter's lined up too far to the right side antenna, of of the of your side of the court of your offense, then the the le opposing left side blocker has an easier time to help block the right side your right side attack and also help on the middle because she does or he doesn't have to move as far. So you've 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 put one side of the net at uh, a disadvantage or an advantage for the blockers, a disadvantage for your hitters because the blockers on the other side of the net don't have to move as far to get to your right side attacker. Another thing that you'll see is your middle attacker, if your setter's pushed over, your middle attacker doesn't have as much cross court to hit into because now that ball has been pushed over towards the right sideline. And so now the majority of the area of the court for your middle is either straight ahead or back to the left shoulder. You can't drop that thumb down and hit cross court as well. 
so you know you don't have the same angles attacking. So um, again, that this all comes back to you know trying to get your setter to take the ball and receive the ball, and obviously it's get your passers to pass there, but to try to get your setter to take the ball and, and and set the ball from the middle of the court. I think that's one of the areas that's going to be really important, and um, you know that 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 helping preventing or making it easier for the other team's left side blocker is one of the things you want to try to stay away from by doing this and also giving your middle attacker more options to hit uh, different angles is another thing that happens when you do that so the position that the setter lines up to receive the ball you know again close to the middle of the court uh, and you, again you see that a lot at, at the highest level the setters work out of the middle of the court almost all the time so it's one of the things when you're teaching young setters is just make sure they line up properly so uh, the first two things we've covered here in, in before we've really got into footwork at all is you know the the proper the preparatory position to receive the ball you know back to the net watch the pass be able to come on and move to the ball easily uh you know in an athletic manner and also where you're going to line up and where you want to where you want the passers to pass the ball and but once the ball has been passed and the setter should move to the ball as quickly and as, as efficiently as possible and and once the setter gets to the ball this is really what most coaches think of as setting footwork and how the setter chooses to set the ball will be determined by both the location and the tempo of the pass or how, how fast you have to get to the ball to make a good set. And if a setter has plenty of time to, to get to the ball and get under the ball and get behind the ball and face position four, which is the left front position, uh, you know, then it's going to be a pretty traditional set all the time. But, but generally that's not the case. So, you know, this is when we start talking about setting footwork. But, and when I say, ref, when I refer to facing position four when setting, this goes for almost every set that's going to be made regardless of where the ball is going to be set. And we want the opposing team's middle blocker to see basically the same picture every time the setter sets. And that's regardless of where the setter is going to set. And the set is made when the setter is facing the left front position. And, and by always showing the same body position on the ball release, you know, the opposing blockers have a really hard time to cheat early to know where the ball is going to be set. So one of the things that you want to teach your young setters is as they come off the net and square up, generally, you know, most of the balls at, at that point, at a young age especially, go to that left front position. So you want your setters to be able to come off the net. And that's one of the term we talked last time in the podcast about the word square up. The word square up means get around the ball and face that left front or position four. So when you make your set, you make your set to, to left front, if you're setting the back row, it's usually generally coming off your left shoulder. You're also, if you're squared up to left front, you can push the quick set in front of you back towards the net, and then you'll make the back set over your right shoulder. But, you know, that square up concept has always meant get around the ball, face left front, and then, you know, because that's what coaches talk about when they talk about square up. They talk about getting around the ball and facing that that left front position or that area four position zone four position and then making your set from there so i think that's one of the things that in concept in in the concept of that is really really important and how you do that is now what's changed so much in the sport of volleyball before it was run square up your feet and stop all right and so that that was called square up and now one of the things that we see is you know, we see setters spinning and jumping off the right leg or left leg. Uh, and this, what, what the setter is actually doing and what the concept is, is that you're actually squaring yourself up to that left front position, but you're doing it a different manner. You might be doing it as you turn off your right leg into the ball. You might go back off the net and, and spin off, or turn off your outside leg and pull your hips back in line. But you've still, 
you've still momentarily put your body in a position to square up. And so instead of just stopping off two feet and doing it in that manner, what you've done is you've, you're, you're going through the same body mechanics. You're just doing it maybe off one foot. You're doing it in a different manner. But at some point when you release the ball, you're almost in the same position. You've just done it differently now. The mechanics are different. So, you know, when we often see a setter moving to the ball and spinning or jump spinning off the right leg, which brings the body around the ball to face position four, but then the setter can easily release the ball back over the right shoulder or set off the left shoulder if they set the back row attack. So we've just, we've put that setter in the same square up position momentarily to release the ball, but he or she has just done that in a different manner because the ball is moving faster, the tempo of the game is different, everything like that. So as offensive systems have gotten faster, we see a much more we see much more one-legged setting. As setters, they manipulate their bodies in the air when jump setting, and they push the ball tempo to the attackers, which is a lot easier. And by moving to the ball and jumping off one leg, we can see setters are able to accomplish two important tasks at the same time. When jumping off one leg, they can continue to move to the ball horizontally in a drifting long jump style technique. And they can also turn in the air at the same time to get around the ball. So it's hard off two feet to long jump forward and turn in the air. It's much easier when you drive off one leg. And all, all of this happens in the same motion when you go off one leg. And so if you compare this to the, the old, sky, old school style of setting and running to the ball, stopping on two feet, squaring up to the net, ball to the attacker, you know, the single leg running and jump spin set is so much faster. It's more efficient. It allows the setter to manipulate the ball and move the ball around. Otherwise, when it would have taken a lot more time. So that's, that's what we're seeing as the systems have gotten faster and as the, as the setters have changed uh, technique and to, to match the tempo of the systems. And, you know, the skill of setting has evolved way past the addition of just a single technique and such as the spin or the jump set. And, it's it's when I first started coaching, the great setters were, uh, you know, they again, they, they mostly looked the same. And I had mentioned in the last podcast about when they would have to perform emergency techniques. That's when they would go to styles that today are pretty general across the board. Uh, but but back then it was they almost all looked the same, and then in emerg- emergency situations you would see you know a one legged set or something like that. But today it's become the style of a lot of setters, and they they just they're a lot more mobile. Uh, set the ball a lot differently. <clears throat> they set the ball off two feet, just the right foot, just the left foot. Uh, they'll jump and spin off either foot. They'll side set if they're close to the net or they've got their back to the net. They'll set one handed. Uh, they'll push tempo. Uh, on the quick sets, even use an underhand setting. I mean, some of the sets that are made today are just phenomenal sets. And, uh, you know, you, you see setters and, and you see coaches, different setters now have different styles. You know, some setters will take the ball uh, even sideways a lot. They just want to, they want to manipulate the system. And another thing you'll see is you'll see uh, a manipulation of tempo. And by that, I mean, you know, there's jump setting and then there's, you know, there's, you get up, take the ball at the highest contact point, try to force the blocker to make a decision uh, on where you're going to set. But also you see time change differentials. And that means that a setter might jump early and then on the way down release the ball to try to mess up or try to confuse uh, the blocker's uh, decision and tempo tempo for blocking and rhythm. Or a setter may wait till the last second, leave the ground and jump because generally there's a, there's a rhythm to a jump set. Setter gets up, top of the jump, releases the ball. Uh, but also now setters have gotten to the point where they'll hang and set on the way down or they'll jump at the last second and set on the way up. 
And it, the idea is to just throw off the timing slightly of the blockers. So the blockers have to read a different, they get a different look than if they're just going through the, the reading steps of one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. So uh, I think that's one of the things that's key also is just you see that a lot is just the manipulation of the block by timing differential with the setters with their bodies and how they turn in the air and things like that. And also one of the things that the spin setting and the <clears throat> the, the jump spin setting has done is it's, it's allowed setters to be able to set the ball much faster behind because as they turn through the air they're able to manipulate their bodies and push the ball back at a faster tempo as opposed to stopping and squaring up and going over maybe a right shoulder uh, back you know they're turning in the air and they can they also almost continue to keep turning and so they can shoot the ball a lot faster so the single leg work has allowed the setters to manipulate the ball and the tempo in the air and that's why you'll see that a lot if you watch the great setters you know you see them they're on one leg a lot and they're they're on one leg a lot for two reasons it allows them to get around a ball that they might not be able to get around of easy as in and what we call square up they're still squaring up they're just doing it in a different manner and also it allows them to push tempo a lot faster so that's one of the things that we've seen off the one-legged setting is we've seen the the ability to increase the tempo of the ball in the sets and and without really hurting the location of the ball because the setters you know as I said in the first podcast you know you practice this training a lot and you become good at it because it's something that you do every day so I mean, for the past 35 years, our philosophy has been to get to the ball as fast as possible. And then once you get there, the position of the ball is going to determine your footwork that you use. But, you know, whatever footwork you need to use, you should have trained it. And that's been, that's the founding philosophy of the things that we believed in. If we're going to do something, then let's do it a lot so we're comfortable doing it. And not only so we're comfortable, but also so we can master it. I think that's that's something that's key. And rather than just teaching one way to get to and set the ball, teach your setters to be comfortable in any way in all situations. And then let their training and instincts take over from there because, you know, when they work to get to the ball, you know, let their body take over and do what their body has done a lot when they get there to try to master and make the best set. So I think that's really important. So the footwork, and as I started this podcast, was saying I think foot, footwork is the most important thing. Uh, I put it second on the list because I think the key is to develop the hands before you start running all over the court and doing all these things. So, you know, you touch the ball in the same manner. So, you know, the, the second trait that I think is important is, is the setting footwork and, and all the things that we just reviewed that are involved in footwork. And if you want to watch great setting, just, you know, go to YouTube and, and just, you know, type in, you know, look at the best volleyball setters in the world, men and women, and look at their highlights and look at how often they don't, you know, you don't see a highlight of just standing and squaring up. What you see is when you see a great set, generally you've seen some kind of adjustment to footwork, some kind of adjustment to body manipulation. Um, try to watch the hands of the best setters. Try to watch how much surface area they touch on the ball. You know, those things are all important. So hands and feet are absolutely two of the most important uh, elements and setting but number three is the eyes and I think in my opinion um, this trait of developing the eyes is really really important because one of the things that you want your setters to be able to do is to have an awareness of what goes on on the volleyball court while the ball is in play and as they move to the ball they've got blockers on their right shoulder uh, blockers may be going through tactical adjustments and making making adjustments from there so the setters have to start being aware of what goes on in the court around them and they've also got to be able to move it to the ball and set the ball so uh, I think the eyes are crucial as well it's, it's the third it's the third leg um, 
uh, of these traits that I think is crucial for setting. And I mean, one of the first things that you do when you start training a young setter is, is introduce visual drills or, or for setting. And, you know, it's easy games such as rock, paper, scissors while the ball's going back and forth. Um, that's a great way to get started uh, for the hands because you're, you're working back and forth. You have to take your eyes off the ball. Uh, you know, we play little rock, paper, scissor games, things like that. That's a great way to get the hands started. And you force your setters to, to set the ball and also watch the ball and also look away and see other other objects or what else is going on around them. And, you know, you have hand signals that, that you can use. Uh, you can have a, a blocker next to a setter moving back and forth and set the opposite way. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to train the hands. But I think, you know, and then what you do is you, as the setters get comfortable in these simple games, you know, you just you increase the level of difficulty and you also int- introduce more movement while the setters are moving. And while they're moving, they have to look and look at objects and and set away from directions of movement and or read fingers or anything like that and again this is it's pretty easy to put together a lot of stuff like this we we have you know pretty much a session every camp that i would do that we do a lot of hand work and eye work and but you always want to increase difficulty you've heard me talk about that a lot but you know you have to have this feel of what goes on around you and a lot of it's peripheral vision a lot of it's a sense but, you know, the, the biggest problem, and we've talked about, I've talked about football a lot in here. So, you know, when, when quarterbacks come up, the first thing they have to do is they have to read the defense. And then when the, the ball is snapped, they have to read what the defensive backs are doing in the backfield. Uh, you know, are they moving a certain way? Are they in zone? Are they in man-to-man? And then the quarterback knows where their receivers are going, and they have to make adjustments from there. So, you know, and that's all in a two- or three-second period. So, you know, it, it's clear that human beings, you know, and, and again, I, I, I use football a lot because it's something I'm, I'm really comfortable with it's 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 clear that you know you can do more than one thing at the same time so training eyes is really important and it's one of the things I think that that we you know just at camp when I when I do a lot of the eye work drills kids have so much trouble setting even back and forth and just playing some simple hand hand recognition games because they've just never done that they've just set the ball they don't really know what goes on the other side of the net and again your eyes are so important so I think that's really important so um, you know working on a setter's vision especially per- peripheral vision starting at an early age is going to be invaluable for both the setter and the team as the as the setter plays uh, at a higher and higher level uh, and gets more and more accomplished in the setting skills. I think the eyes are really important. And, you know, there's one story that I think I, I like to tell, uh, and I've told it at some clinics and stuff before, but uh, back in 2013, we were playing a, a team at our facility in, in Illinois, the Great Lakes Center, and we I think we were in the finals of a, of a tournament. It was a pre-national event, but we were playing a, a really good team, uh, had uh, two or three big-time players on I think one of those players is now on the U.S. national team and uh, the other one was you know one was an outside hitter touched about 10-5 one was a middle touched about 10-7 10-8 we were playing that team we were in the finals and I think we were coming down to uh, it was I I think it was the third set and I think we were up like 14-13 it was a one point set I knew that if we scored one more point we were going to win and so I had called a timeout and generally when I call a timeout at the end of a close game I will give the setter uh, I know we know the matchups, obviously, so I'll tell the setter where I want the ball to go. And so uh, we come off the net, and our setter is Lauren Carlini in 2013. And, you know, we have a big left side hitter, uh, about 6'1 or 6'2, matched up on uh, the other team in their rotation, their setter's front row. She's about 5'8 or 5'9. So I think we have a great matchup. So, you know, we go in the huddle, and I tell Lauren, I want you to go left side. We're going we're gonna to hit over the setter, and we're going to win this match. Uh, and so. 
you know, she goes, okay. And so we come out and the other, the other team, I had called the timeout. The other team was serving and we're in side out offense. So the other team serves the ball. And as they serve the ball, they have this big left side hitter who touched, who I said touched about 10, five. She goes right to block and their setter goes left to block. So they're, they're, they're matching up their, best front row blocker, outside blocker on where they think the ball is going to go. They think we're going to set left side, which is we were going to. And so they switch that. They make that switch. The setter goes left. The the outside blocker goes right. And they've got the big middle in the front row. And so now we're, we've got a monster block on the left side. And this all happens, you know, it all happens in, you know, two seconds. And so as they serve, you know, you know, I, I had, I had called the play in the huddle, but as they serve and make that switch, uh, Lauren looks through. They, she sees the switch. She runs the slide. She's front row too. She runs the slide to our middle, and we get a kill over the setter on the opposite side of the court, on, on the left side. Uh, she's the setter's blocking left. We're hitting slide on the on our right side of the court, and that's the end of the match right there. But you know, that's a situation that absolutely, uh, you know, it exemplifies or is an example of what you do when you train your eyes. And you know, Lauren. I didn't say anything to her. The ball was served. She saw that switch happen. She didn't go where she was told to go. She went to the the position on the court that had gave us the best chance to get a side out and score. So, you know, that's a story of, you know, a setter, you know, using their eyes to make an adjustment and basically change what she was going to do because she saw something with her eyes that dictated that she changed that. So uh, I think that kind of, that, that really, you know, that's a great example of, you know, when you use your eyes and how your eyes, how crucial your eyes are to, to, you know, setting. So the fourth, the fourth leg of this, of this setting table is tactics. And, you know, I, I just kind of touched on it right there a little bit, but when we discuss systems and tactics in the sport of volleyball, especially offensive systems and tactics, uh, we have a long ways to go to educate our setters. And, uh, you know, you always hear me talk about football, which I just, just reiterated to about the sport of football. And, you know, in this podcast, I've, I've compared the training of setters to the training of quarterbacks. And, but in the terms of how well young quarterbacks understand and execute their offenses in football compared to setters in volleyball. And again, the 16-year-old quarterback is operating on a, on a completely different level than the average 16-year-old volleyball setter. And one of the reasons is that football starts from a dead ball every snap. So, you know, you call a play. And so in football, you're always thinking about tactics. But, and the quarterback has the time to call a set play in the huddle, then they can change the play at the line of scrimmage. And once he, he comes up to the line of scrimmage, sees how the defense lines up. And, and then they can call an audible, which changes that play verbally. But quarterbacks, even at the youngest levels, they develop an amazing understanding of the tactics of their position. And, you know, if they don't, they're not going to be playing that position very long. And, you know, you might be saying at this time, well, how does this have to do with volleyball? But it's really important because, you know, let's examine the two most prevalent offensive concepts in volleyball. And, you know, the first, the first thing, the first thing in offense is, is the offensive, the concepts in offense are generally built around what we call the spread concept. And that means there are attackers generally at the left and right front antenna trying to spread the block as wide as possible. Generally, the quick attacker stays in the middle of the court, creates a one-on-one in the middle, 
against the middle blocker, while the left front and right front blockers have to be ready to block quickly to the antenna. You know, that's what we call spread. You know, you see that in, in blocking tactics where the three blockers are pinched together, the quick attack comes right down the middle, and the ball is set fast to the left or right side antenna, and the blockers have to chase to the, the antenna. So the basic premise in volleyball is the first one is called what we call spread. And the primary goal is on, on a good pass is that the middle blocker has to stay and block the middle attacker. And, you know, the outside blockers have to move to the pins to block. So this is the basic premise of the spread offense. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's put in place to spread the block and try to create one-on-one situations at the antenna as well. So uh, gives that gives that blocker a one-on-one opportunity. <clears throat> the second basic concept is what we call the overload. And the overload generally means that we're still, we're still in the spread philosophy we still want to hit at the left side and right side pin but we now have our quick attacker generally will go to one side of the court or the other so they may what we call a b quick or they may hit a three or 31 excuse me in zone three or they may go quick behind the middle or the setter and so you'll have two hitters overloaded to one side of the court either the left side of the court, you have two hitters overloaded to the right side of the court. But with the overload, you also have an isolated incident. So if, if I run a 31 or a B, and then I have the left side hitter out there, I have two hitters pushed to one area of the court. So the, the opposing team, the defense, generally, uh, especially at the younger levels, the, the defense has to respect and shade to that area that the middle blocker, a middle hitter has gone to. So what that's done is it's created an isolated in, uh, situation away from those two blockers. So if you run, you know, a left side uh, and you run the 31 or the B quick, generally your right side hitter is going to be isolated. And so, you know, this idea of overload, and, and generally it means overload and isolate. So if you look at that, you know, that's the second major uh, offensive concept that you, we see almost all the time is, you know, the overload and the isolate. So it's, the idea is to create a one-on-one situation. for, and, and we're just talking about front row hitters right now. We haven't got into the back row attack or anything like that. But, you know, that's what, that's what it is. So the spread and the overload are the two primary tactics uh, of, of volleyball. You know, either go down the middle with your middle attack and then go fast to the pins, make the block. And again, it's uh, you know, if you do it the right way and you pass at a high level, <clears throat> you're going to have your hitters one-on-one a lot because it's just, it's going to be physically impossible for a middle blocker to block in the middle of the court and then get to the pins on a regular basis if the tempo is pretty fast. So, and then the overload is the same way. If the middle blocker doesn't respect the overload, and, and if, again, if you have two hitters, if you have the 31 or the B quick and the left side and the middle blocker doesn't move, then what you have is you have that middle and that left side hitter over on that right side blocker. So you have now a two-on-one situation uh, that the middle blocker, if the middle blocker, opposing team's middle blocker hasn't shaded over uh, and they've stayed in the middle, then you have a two-on-one in the overload. If the middle blocker shades over, then you have a one-on-one in the isolated. And so you, again, and that's all things that the setter has to understand. It's all things that the setter has to see with her eyes or his eyes while the play is going on. So this is how tactics become important. And on top of that, most teams are now using back row attack in combination with their front row attackers to put even more pressure on the blockers. And regardless, but regardless, virtually every offensive pattern you see in high-level volleyball on a good pass is some type of spread or some type of overload and isolate. It's pretty much everything that we see is is based along those guidelines. And 
And I think the reason for understanding tactics and offensive systems is important for the setter. It's due to the nature of the sport of volleyball, which is three consecutive contacts in a nonstop manner, which forces the setter to make almost instantaneous decisions regarding setting choices. And let's look at the checklist that a setter should be going through at a high level before every serve in every rotation and has a really short time to do so. So think about, think about you know, let's just think about side-out offense to start with. I mean, the, the other team gets a kill, server, set, server goes back to serve, your setter has to do the following. This is what your setter, this is a checklist for your setter when the other team, when the ball is killed and the opponent goes back to serve. And you know that takes only, you know, it takes only a short period of time. But the first thing that your setter should be doing is look at the opposing blockers on the other side of the net. And not only look at the opposing blockers, but where are they going to line up? You know, they may be set in one position on the serve, but if they switch because, you know, it's a specific rotation, the first thing you have to know is who the blockers are going to be against your attackers. You know, and then the second thing, which of those blockers are you going to target to try to give your team the best chance to get a first ball kill and score a point? Because as we've talked in the past on other podcasts, a first ball kill is crucial and we have to score a point in that manner. So that's the second thing. Now you've, you've gone from their side of the net to your side of the net. And again, this is all going to happen in a few seconds. You want to identify your attacker in that rotation and where they have the best chance to get a kill against the weakest blocker. And so you want your best attacker, uh, you know, highlighted in a position first, but your best attacker may be on the other team's best blocker. That may not be a win for you. So the thing you have to do is you have to start thinking tactically. So, you know, which then you have to think about which attacker has the best chance to score against which blocker in that rotation across the net. Also, are, do you have a hitter that's struggling? That's another thing. Is somebody hot? Is somebody cold? You know, what if you've got a great middle on the front quick but she only hits to zone five. She only drops her thumb. The opposing left front blocker has moved over to take that away. That's another thing that you have to recognize and know. What if you've got a favorite matchup? It's a favorable matchup. Let's say you're on a small outside blocker, uh, but your hitter in that in that zone loves only cross court, which is into a big middle blocker. Do you go with that hitter? Is that one of the things that you like? What if the hitter can't hit line over that small blocker? You know, and on top of that, what if you don't score on the first side out and you get into a rally? If you do that, then what kind of decisions are you going to make tactically in your rally, you know, to continue to try to put the hitters, your hitters in the best position to go against the weakest blocker? So there's a, there's, there's so much tactically that goes into that five or six second decision that you have to make before the ball is served. And tactics are involved in all the issues that I just mentioned, everything, along with the ability to, to read uh, execute a scouting report, finally make adjustments when the opposing team changes their tactics, you know, a la Lauren Carlini, as I mentioned earlier, uh, about when the blocker switched on us. But those are all things that you have to look at and setters have to look at tactically. And, you know, they, they do involve the eyes. But, you know, another thing you have to be willing to do, if you're a setter, let's say you've got a great matchup. Let's say you've got the other team's got a, 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 a five-foot-two setter who's a great setter but doesn't block well. You know, you have to be willing also as a setter to say, listen, in the rotations that she's in the front row, we're going to go to that left side position almost every time. You know, it's not necessarily a democracy out there when you're setting. You're trying to find the best matchup. And I think one of the things that, you know, we've just talked about tactics, but I think one of the things that if you watch setters play, you know, a lot of times the great setters, 
they find a matchup and they go with it because their number one priority is they want to win. They want to find the weakness in the other team and they want to go with that weakness. It's no different than if you find somebody who can't pass and you serve every ball to that person. You'll serve every ball to that person. You, you don't feel the need to get, serve the ball to the liberal part of the time just so the other team can use all their passers. It's kind of the same thing with your offense. If you can find the best matchup, and so you may have a scouting reporter, you may have an opponent you play, then each rotation you have a certain ball uh, hitter that you want to set to every time to prioritize because you think that gives you the best chance to get that first ball kill. So understanding tactics is is really important. And first of all, as a coach, you've got to understand them. You've got to understand what you want your setter to do, what you want your matchups to be. You know, again, you know, do you, and, and also there's other factors. Is they, what if the hitter's struggling? Do you set your best hitter if she's struggling? Do you go back to her? And we'll talk about that a little bit later in, in just the makeup of the setting position. But, but understanding tactics, uh, they're involved in everything that you do. And again, there's not much time because the volleyball, the, the rally in volleyball moves from one contact to the other without the ball being stopped. So it's, it's pass or dig, it's set, it's attack. Uh, the attacker has control over what she or he does with the ball once it gets to her but you have control over which attacker is going to hit the ball almost all the time now if you're out of system and you only got one option that's clear that you're going to try to put up the best ball possible but as a setter one of the things that you do is you try to you try to have the the best attacker in the best situation each rotation try to get that swing at the ball to try to give you guys a point so i think that's important so and finally, let's talk about the traits and qualities of, of, of a great setter. And, and again, this is my personal opinion, but having been around the game for a long time, having coached a lot of good setters, I mean, multiple, multiple All-Americans and players that have gone and played at the professional level and the national team level, um, you know, I think here's a few things that I think are important. <clears throat> and the first thing that I, I use is a, a great setter is invaluable. They're just invaluable to any team. But the one thing is they're always underappreciated because, you know, they're not, you know, volleyball is a three contact sport. The first and second contact, while they're so important, they're not impressive. The, the attack, the stuff block, those are impressive skills. And so, you know, anywhere you go in the world, you know, you watch warm ups. you don't watch the setter in warmups. Generally you watch the attackers. So, you know, one of the one of the th- things that, that that you have to your setters have to understand is they have to understand their role, and I use this analogy that <clears throat> you're you're a, a great setter is like a, a Tiffany lamp. I mean, a, a ten thousand dollar lamp. Uh, you know that that is so bright, it's beautiful. Everybody talks about how beautiful that lamp is, and when it, when you turn it on, it's you know it's got all these different shades and colors. But if you're the setter, you're the you're the cord that plugs into the wall that lights the lamp. You know, nobody looks at the cord of a Tiffany lamp and goes, oh, what a beautiful cord. Nobody does that. You know, the lamp is the attackers. <laughs> you're, you're the hitter. The, the, lamp, the, the, the cord is the setter. And the outlet is the first contact. And so, you know, while the lamp is beautiful and everybody notices the lamp, it doesn't work at all without electricity or a cord. And so once the setter understands that, you know, it's their job to make setters or make hitters look great, then I think they're going to be in a great position. So I think that's one thing. And another thing is you have to be a chameleon. And I think that's, by that, I mean, you find a way to get the best out of every player. And, 
And I think that takes, take the time to learn the buttons that each player needs to have pushed to be their absolute best. And some people need to pat on the back. Some people need to get fired up when you challenge them. Others just need to be left alone because they're self-starters who don't really need somebody else to motivate them. And every team is going to have players that fall into one of these categories. And it's up to the setter on the floor to help bring out the best in every player. The setter is the only player who will theoretically touch the ball you know, every time in a traditional three-contact rally of pass, set, hit, or dig, set, hit. So the connection with the setter is the strongest when all the players are on the floor. And so, you know, that's, that's really important that the setter understands that. And I think another thing is you want to be the example that you want every player to be in. And a setter, for setters, your actions speak volumes about your work ethic, your commitment level, the intensity you play the game at. You know, while, while being a vocal leader is important, there's no substitute for the toughness that you show in practice, you know, the pain and suffering that you're willing to endure in the weight room and in conditioning drills. And, and finally, the grit and the kind of never quit attitude that you show in competitive matches when your team depends on you to be clear, level headed in, in the most heated moment. And I think, you know, you got to have a different personality. You have to have the right mindset. You have to walk into the gym and, you know, you know, from a young age, you know, if you're the kind of kid that go, will go to the wall and work for hours by yourself on the wall, uh, you know, as opposed to you don't have to be entertained, you don't have, you're not bored, you don't have to get in hitting lines. You know, I think that's, that's one of the things that's key. Do you have that, that right personality to do that? You know, you're, you're kind of the Zen master on the volleyball court. And, you know, you've got to be willing to spend long hours alone. And, you know, setting is a skill and a position that takes a lot of individual hours. We talked in the last podcast about all all the setting camps and all the hours that setters put in by themselves to master their skill so they can make hitters look better and they can help teams win. And I think that's really important to understand. And then finally, you know, one of the things you have to understand is if you're a setter, everything is your fault. And, you know, you just have to, you have to, you have to be willing to raise your hand and go, my bad. And, you know, you throw up a great set and your best hitter gets stuffed straight down. You know, you've got to be able to put up your hand and go, I set you too tight. I'll get you a better ball. Because one of the things that you want is you never want your attackers doubting their ability because they have to score the points from your sets. So you can always claim bad location, too low, too high. Take the pressure off your hitters. You know, take the blame yourself. Make your hitters feel invincible. You know, make them feel like they can score on every ball. You know, if you get if your best hitter gets stuffed, look her in the eye or him in the eye. Go, I'm coming right back to you right now. Put this ball away. You know, and again, you you know the buttons that you might have to push to get that hitter to play at the highest level, but put yourself in the best position to give every one of your teammates the chance to be successful. And again, so if it's your fault and you raise your hand and go, listen, I'm going to make you better, you know, your ego is strong enough to, to handle that. You're not scolding and, and beating up on your teammates. You know, what you're doing is telling them, I believe in you. I'm going to give you a better set. You're going to be invincible because, again, the attackers are the ones who score the points. You, it's, your, it's your job as a setter to put the best ball out there, make the best decisions, make the tactical decisions. But once the hitter gets a ball, they've got to go up and score swing for the fences and try to and try to score points for your team so you want them to feel like they they're they're invincible and I think that's one of the things that's important so uh, I think that mindset and just again when when you're willing to take the blame for that's going to be really important than when you just say hey listen I know that was my fault I'll do a better job next time so uh, when you pick setters the, the the ideal setter I think is you know a few things you know try to look at kids with big hands. I mean, if you've got big hands and when you move, you're going to be able to cover more of the ball, especially when you get into movement, bigger hands allow you to put up a better set. 
look for quick feet. I mean, I think feet are so important and look for somebody who's got good feet and, uh, you know, and they got to have also have a good mindset to be trainable. And I just mentioned that earlier about when you walk in the gym and you're willing to go over and you're willing to work on a wall for an hour and a half. And uh, that's a mindset that generally setters have. Uh, you don't train that. It's something that they have when you start working with them. They've got that mindset where they really want to be great. And so if, if it means hours and hours working alone, they're willing to do that. And, um, you know, I think, you know, that's, I had a conversation years and years ago with a college coach and it was a, a coach from another country, but the coach said, you know, I don't, I don't always agree with the way your setter set. Cause it was back then when we weren't getting, you know, we, we had a lot of, I guess, controversy about the way we were teaching setters. But one of the things she said was, she goes, but you always pick the right people to be your setters. And I think that goes into this category of, you know, find the personality that will ultimately develop into that, that winner, that leader for your team. I think that's going to be important. And, you know, one of the things that I personally like is I like it that every setter at one point in time was an attacker at some point. If, if they were an attacker, they understand attacking at some levels. They understand the mindset of the attacker at some levels. And, and also they were athletic enough to, to have played the game in more than one position. And so uh, I know when we were at sports performance, we always, with our younger teams, we wanted to run six twos instead of five ones. We wanted all of our setters to have hitting experience. That meant we were training a lot more setters than we needed, but also it meant that our setters had, had mindsets of hitters. So they didn't just have one mentality when they were setting, they understood what it was to be a hitter. And so I think, I think those things are important as well. So I hope you enjoyed this, this podcast series on setting. You know, it's, I think the setting position is so important and, you know, the evolution of it is, has, has, it's occurred over the last three or four decades. And, you know, we talked a little bit last time about just all the work that we did and, and, you know, some of the difficulties that we went through at the beginning. But I think one of the things that I, I look at when I see setters out there, I mean, there's never been so many good setters as there are now. They're athletic, they're taller, um, it's just, you know, the U.S. has so many great setters uh, in the setting position, so many great candidates. So, and it's from all those kids when they were young, all the work they're doing, the work the coaches are doing with them, uh, you know, the evolution of that position, which is a lot like the quarterback position in football. I mean, you see quarterbacks, we talked before about quarterbacks doing so many things now they couldn't do before. You know, the setting position is the same way. So, um, you know, I hope you enjoyed this, and I want to wish all of you the best. And, again, you're, you're going through the high school season, getting ready to come for the club season. So regardless if you're a high school coach or a club coach or both, uh, I want to wish everybody the best. And, you know, don't hesitate to reach out if you have questions or need advice of any kind. You know, we're always here. We do this because we want people to get better at the sport of volleyball, and we want to help coaches uh, get better at what they do. And I want to wish everybody all the best. Thank you.